Good morning, church. It's after Thanksgiving, but it's not quite December, but things are getting busy already. So um, I know it's not just church. I know all of your lives are getting busy as we get into this holiday season. So we'll be praying for you. But um, right now we are in the middle of our mission emphasis. So we do this something we do every year, and we, we take a month out, and we just focus on missions. And last year we heard, or not last year, last week, uh, we had a missionary that came and told us how they were making disciples in a small little island in Southeast Asia, and how they were teaching people to, to run to Jesus and to stay with Jesus, and then having that overflow as they make disciples in their community. Next week, we're going to have a missionary that's going to come, and he's going to share with us. He lived overseas for most of his adult life, and now he is training uh, missionaries, and he's speaking in churches. He speaks in seminaries, and he is helping train missionaries that will be making disciples who make disciples all over the world. So we will be, be, be having that next week. The following week, so two weeks from now, we're going to have a missionary who serves as a U.S. Navy chaplain. And so he is literally traveling the world and doing life with our military as they are serving, and he is serving in the kingdom of God, and he is making disciples with the same people as they travel all over the world. So we will look forward to that. Now, here's the problem sometimes when we have people come and share what God is doing in their lives. We start to have this Facebook mentality, and we we only see other people's highlight reels, And sometimes we can be discouraged because we're looking at these other people and say, man, God's doing all these great things through them, but he's not using me. He's not doing anything with me. And so I just want to take a moment. We're going to pause this morning, and I want to encourage you. I want to say that's not true if you're part of Calvary Church West Hills. That is not a true statement. So I'm going to take some time this morning. I want to encourage you and let you know that you are on mission And you are in the exact community that God wants you to be in and has called you to at this moment. I don't have missionaries come and speak to guilt you into doing something that maybe God hasn't called you to do. My prayer is that they will encourage you in your walk with God. And there's a couple things that I hope that you are encouraged by when you hear their stories. One, I just want you to be reminded of the greatness of God. Oftentimes we are so consumed by our small little perspective that we forget how big our God really is, right? Our God can speak directly to the heart of someone in a language we've never heard of in a place that we can't find on a map, but our God speaks to them. When we hear these stories of God moving in all these parts of the world, we are reminded about the awesomeness of God, about the greatness of God. And when we struggle to believe that God can use us, right, we we say, no, God can't use us. Oh, he can't use me here in LA. He can't use me here in California. But when we hear these stories, we are reminded that our God can use anybody anywhere to include you in the middle of Los Angeles. The second thing I hope it does is I hope it refocuses us on the mission of God's church. Sometimes we can let the American church start to change our perspective of the mission of God's church. Here in America, we can easily fall into the trap of believing that the mission of the church is to make us comfortable. 
right? We want short services on padded chairs and nice buildings with great AV and working AC, right? It's really easy to believe that if we have all of those things, then we're in a healthy church. As long as the AC works when we turn it on, life is good. However, when we hear about our brothers and sisters worshiping outdoors, sitting on logs for two or three hours, just feasting on the Word of God, just being lost in worship, we remember that it's not about us, but it's about God and the things of God. It's about making disciples, teaching people the truth about God, how to be obedient to following Jesus and how to be the church, a body that is living together for the glory of God. I remember several years ago I was in Ye Sudan and I was sitting in a church service. The church was covered but there was no walls. It was about 90 degrees and the humidity I'm going to say was like 98%. I don't know what it was but I was sweating just sitting there. It was a wet mess and the pastor was just bringing the word. He was speaking in English, he was speaking in Arabic, he was speaking in Dinka, and then there was a, another language that my translator said, I, that's a local language, I'm not familiar with it. And I was sitting on a stump because I like to think I was too big is the nice way to say that, it might be fat or something else, but I was too big to sit on the little twigs that they were sitting on without breaking them. And I remember I was sitting on that stump, and we're, we're about 90 minutes into the message, and I'm sitting there, and the pastor in mid-sentence, right, he, he walks down, he walks to the front row, and just as he's preaching, man, he reaches back and slaps this guy so hard across the face. And he gets back, and he keeps teaching. I was so scared. For the rest of the two hours, man, my, I didn't even blink. I was just like, I'm going to be wide-eyed because I'm paying attention because that looked like it hurt. And so when we left that church service, I was working on a farm in Sudan. I grabbed one of the locals. I said, hey, man. What was that all about? <laughs> like, what happened there? And I just remember he looked at me and he said, oh, that was one of the Bible students that the pastor is discipling. He wasn't paying attention to the teaching of the word, so the pastor helped him regain his focus. <laughs> we have a little bit different culture here. That would never fly here. Um, but sometimes, you know, we need a good whack to get our, our attention back on track on what God has called the church to do. So I'm hoping that when we hear these stories, one, I'm hoping that nobody comes down and smacks anybody in the face, but I'm also hoping that we are encouraged to get back on track, right? That that gets our attention and we get back on track for what the church is supposed to do. The third thing is that I want it to encourage us to pray for our missions, to pray for our missionaries, the International Mission Board, they coined this phrase, and it's pray, give, and go. And they say, that's how we support missions. We pray for missions, we give to missions, and we go on missions. But I want you to notice that the first thing that they list there is pray. Right? That, that is one of the most important things that we can do. And so we bring these missionaries here so you could put a face on a name. Right, so you can put a project on your prayers. So I want to encourage you that when these missionaries come here, that, that you are encouraged, you hear what God is doing through you, because every missionary that we bring here, we support. As a church, we support them either through the International Mission Board, we support them through the North American Mission Board, or we support them directly. But everybody that comes here, you are a part of their missionary, of their mission project, and you need to be praying for each one. You have a huge role in the ministry of each of these 
missionaries. So I want to encourage you when they come that you take those prayer cards and you put them in a place where you will be reminded to pray for them, whether that's in your Bible, whether that's on your refrigerator, whether that's on your bathroom mirror, and you just remember you're a part of their ministry. You're a part of what God is doing across the world. You are a prayer support for each of those missionaries and the new disciples that they are training. I remember last week when he was talking about Sam. Have you prayed for Sam this week, this new believer who is out sharing the gospel with his family, is out sharing the gospel with his friends? This is part of the ministry that you are a part of. So I want to encourage you to be praying for these ministries, be praying for these missions, be praying for these new disciples. And the other thing I want you to do is I want you to be encouraged by our giving to the work of God. Church, you guys need to know what you are doing. You are not just writing checks and they are going into some abyss that nobody ever hears from again. You are writing checks and you are supporting the ministry of this church. You're supporting the ministry of God. When you give to Calvary Church, you give to missions all across the world and you give to missions here in our community. As a church, we have made it a requirement that we give 10% off of everything that comes through these doors. So any money that we get, the very first thing we do is we give 10% to missions and we give 10% to ministries. But here's the deal. You know, people say, oh, Jesus died on the cross. I'm free. I don't have to do that. You're right. You're free to give more. Like that 10%, that's a starting point for the ministries of this church. That is something we do and then we give above and beyond that. Let me just give you a few examples. Just last week, I don't, know, I don't even know how much money it was, but you guys gave Time, you gave money, you gave toys, you gave um, materials and hygiene gear to fill 170 gospel-filled shoeboxes to send throughout the world. That was just last week. Last month, we had somebody in the church give $5,000 to go towards a specific mission. So that was above and beyond the 10%. Last year, as a church, we gave over $20,000 to not only first responders after COVID, but we also gave money to ministries, our partners in ministries, who because of COVID, their funds were restricted, their funds were depleted. We raised more money for our partners to help them to keep doing the ministry that God has called them to do. So just with those things, we're talking about over $50,000 that we were giving to ministries and missions across the world. This is all done by God's grace and through the generosity of his church. Giving is an, uh, uh, an integral part of missions. It's an integral part of the ministry of the gospel, of getting the, the gospel to go to the ends of the earth, to getting people in places we've never heard of to proclaim and worship the name of Jesus. And I want you to find joy in your giving. Right? This is not an obligation. This is an act of obedience. This is an act of love. And ultimately, giving is an act of worship. It is a true blessing in the life of a Christian. And this morning I want us to look at what, why Scripture tells us that we can be cheerful givers when we give to the ministry of the gospel. So go ahead and open up your Bibles. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to start in verse 6 and we're going to read through the rest of the chapter. And I know for some of you that have been in the church a long time, you're like, oh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, cheerful giver. This is where the pastor tells us we've got to give money all the time. But that's not what we're going to focus on today. Right? I want to use this. I want to see how Paul encourages us. He doesn't guilt us into giving money. This is an encouragement for those who give. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you on why we can be cheerful givers, why we give. 
I, I am promising you, I'm not going to guilt you today. So don't tune out on me. Don't plug your ears. Open up your word and stay with me as we read. At the beginning of chapter 9, Paul is encouraging the church in Corinth to take up a collection for the suffering church in Jerusalem. And if I'm going to be really transparent and be honest with you, those first five verses, Paul might be doing some guilting to the, that church, right? He might be doing some healthy competition that, hey, so-and-so gave more than you. Maybe you should give some. But then after that, right, after that in verse, nine, in verse 6, I'm sorry, we see Paul encourages them on why they can be cheerful givers. So read with me as I read uh, beginning in verse 6. Paul says this, for the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountiful will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written." He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He also supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from you, from your confession of the gospel of Christ, and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for, the inexpressible, for his inexpressible gift. And church, I want you to notice that as we read this, we don't see Paul commanding the the Christians to give a certain amount. But it talks about God providing opportunities for Christians to be generous. And it says those who sow generously will reap bountifully. And it's talking about in terms of bearing fruit for God's kingdom. This isn't a, a give to get. It is that when we give generously, we are bearing fruit for God's kingdom. Right? And through the church's giving, God will be praised and God will be glorified and people will give thanksgiving to God. And this morning, I just want to look at three reasons that Paul tells us we can be cheerful givers as we give to missions, as we give to the ministries. And in this passage, there are three things that I want us to focus on. And the first thing is that we can be cheerful when we give to the ministry because when we give, we become witnesses of God's promises. The promise that God will increase the harvest should not be understood in material terms. It's not that we give $5 and then somebody does a magic dance and it turns into $10, but it's in terms of resources to advance the gospel, that we get, um, uh, God works some miracles. We're going to talk about some of these. I want to jump ahead, but some of these things that God does to help us advance his gospel. And some of you know a family of this church, Lido and Rosemary Medina. Some of you know them, and some of you know their story. Well, the rest of you are about to know them, and the rest of you are about to hear their story. They were faithful members of this church for many years. And about a year after I arrived, I I met with them, and they told me that God has called them to be missionaries in the Philippines. 
And they were going to retire, they were going to sell, and they were going to go be missionaries. And they said, and we would like for you, for Calvary Church, to be our sending church, to be our support church to do that. Well, there's a problem with that. They didn't have a lot of resources, and we didn't have a lot of resources. Right? When you're looking for somebody to, to support you, you go to somebody that has the resources to support you. And we talked about it, and we prayed, and we said, nope, this is what God has called us to do. So we said, okay, we prayed about it. This is what God's calling us to do. This is what we're going to do. And so we committed to them what we could. And so we said, hey, every month we're going to send you guys a check. We're going to support your ministry every month. We're going to give you a percentage of everything we bring in, and we're going to help you. We also did things throughout the year. If you guys remember, we raised money, and we bought Bibles uh, that were written in Tagalog to send to them so they could use it for their ministry. We bought supplies for a vacation Bible school that they were doing. We sent money and bought food for their ministry and their outreach that they were doing. So there was things that we did throughout the, the year and throughout their time there to help them in their ministry. Right? But through their ministry and our faithful giving, we realized God's promise. Right? The promise that God says that he says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread to the food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And I want to share something. I'm actually very excited to share this with you because this kind of caught me off guard when I've been talking with Lido and when I've been talking with Rosemary. But we see that God has increased the harvestness of our righteousness, that he has been uh, increased what we have done. He's increased the ministry that the Medinas have done, and they have planted a church in Tupai. Right? The name of that church is Calvary Church West Hills Tupai. Right? It is registered with the government. It is a real church that we are supporting and that we are partnering with. We have a sister church in some little island in the Philippines called Mindanao, and I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Philippines. I know we have some. Mindanao is not a Christian island. Right? They say if you want to go fishing, you've got to go where the fish are. The Medinas went to where the fish are. And they are in a little island, mostly a, a Muslim island, and they have planted a church, Calvary Church West Hills, on an island in Tupai. And so we, did I say that right? It's 2P. 2P. Take all that back. It's 2P. Uh, but they're in 2P. And so here's what we're going to do. I know this is long, but this is so important, so I want to share this with you. And talking with uh, the Medinas, they have sent us a video talking directly to the church, and they're going to tell us what their church uh, is going on with their ministry and with their new church. So if we can play that video now, we can turn down the lights. Dang. I remember meeting with them and saying, what are you going to do? And they said, we're not sure. We're just going to be obedient to God. And look at God answer promises and increase the harvest of your righteousness, right? That's a promise that God gave us. And we see them overflowing the ministry. And one of the things he said, man, no place too far, no place too high. You give us a spot, we will preach the gospel. And that is a church that we support, that we are partnered with. And every time you give to this church, you are giving to ministry work in the Philippines, to prison work, to children's work, to the gospel being preached wherever there is space and people. Right? Praise God. That is incredible to think of how we are supporting them, that God's name is being made uh, known and his promises to increase harvest is happening. It's happening. 
right? We, the resources, we, we give what we have, and God multiplies them to prison ministries, and to college ministries, and to student ministries, and to medical missions for his glory, for who he is. This should stir your heart. This should fill you with joy as the name of our holy God is receiving glory that he deserves across the world, and you are a part of that. By being faithful stewards, you are a part of the harvest that is happening. You are on mission with God. Church, I just want to introduce this to you right now is that each year we do an end-of-year giving campaign. Right? And this is where we do collect some resources and we take care of some things that need to happen. And we've been using it for a variety of things the last several years. We've used it for a new roof. We've used it for new floors. We've used it for new ACs. This year, our end of year giving, we're going to use 100% of it for ministry outside the walls of this church. Every dollar that we get for the end of year ministry is going to be used for ministry outside this church. And listen to this. The first $1,500 that we raise for the end of year giving will be enough to give to Calvary Church West Hills of Tupee to pay their rent for an entire year. Right, you talk about multiplying resources. Fifteen, you can't get a bedroom in LA for one month for fifteen hundred bucks. <laughs> right, for fifteen hundred dollars, we can rent a church facility for Calvary Church in the Philippines. And so, the first fifteen hundred dollars that we get for the end of your giving campaign—that's what we're going to use it for. And we are going to bank on God's promises that He will multiply those resources for His glory, that He will multiply those resources for His harvest. So first $1,500, you can hear more about this later. But that's the first reason, is that we can be witnesses to God's promise. That should give us joy. That should make us cheerful givers. The second reason we can be cheerful when we give is because when we give, we share God's grace. Right? When you give, you should be reminded of the generosity that God showed you. You should be reminded of God's grace that he bestowed on your life. His grace that he gave, he gave you. You didn't earn it. You didn't buy it. God gave his grace to you. And God loves it that we have just joy motivated giving to others because it expresses our contentment in God. It expresses our contentment in his gracious giving to us. And it makes every good work possible and those works result in thanksgiving to God. It is God who is glorified in those things. Our giving is an act of worship. And it causes others to give thanksgiving to God as they see the work of God's grace in the lives of his church. And we are grateful for his generosity. And we give and we give. And our giving reflects the gift that he gave us. The inexpressible gift that he gave us that we call grace. And it expresses our, our giving is a reflection of that grace which he has freely given to all believers in Christ. See, giving is about God. I don't care what the guy on TV told you. I don't care what you heard on the radio. But no way do we give to get something from God. That is horrible theology. It is not spoken of in the Bible. We don't give to get. The truth is, is we give because of what we already got. Right? God has already been generous to us. We give for what he has already given us. That's crazy to think that God somehow owes you something. 
Right? No, we give because of what he has done. There is no way, and I'm going to beg you to try, but there is no way you can ever match God's generosity. There is no way you will match in your life. There's, it, it's just foolish to think that somehow God could be in debt to you. Foolish, foolish thinking. God owes you nothing. We give because of what he has already given to us. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Maybe you don't know this, but there are people in this community, there are people that live around this church that are lost, that are hurting, that they're alone, that they're without hope, and they're thirsting for that same grace that you have found in Christ. Man, they would love just to hear about the grace of God. They'd love to see the grace of God. Church, if we just look around, there are endless opportunities to share the grace of God with people right here in West Hills. If we just look around, we'll see some amazing things. Can you imagine what it would feel like if you were pregnant and you have your friends and your family saying, man, just get an abortion. That baby's too much. It's going to be too much of a burden. Just have an abortion and get on with your life. But your heart won't let you. So that father leaves you. Your family closes the door on you. Right? You are left outside with nothing. No resources, no support, no, uh, um, oh gosh, uh, hope. Everything is gone. Man, you are afraid. You are alone. You have nothing, and, and hope is just some distant dream that maybe you've heard about. Forget about even hearing the word of grace. Man, just a, a little taste of hope would be nice for you. Can you imagine what that would feel like. And I know that in this church and I know that online we have people saying, yes, I know exactly what that feels like. I can, re- I can relate to that. I know 100% what that feels like because that has been me at one time. Right, and we also have people in the church that say, well, they got themselves in their position. There's nothing we could do about it. Right, that's their fault. That's not my fault. Like God only helps those who help himself. Again, bad theology. Super bad theology. And thank God he did not say that to you. Thank God when you were lost and without hope and you didn't know the grace of God, he didn't say, well, that's too bad for you. He didn't do that to you. He showed you grace. Right? He gave you grace. He loved you enough to give his son for you. And he gave that same son for her. Not only did he show us grace, but now he allows us Right, to be on ministry with him. He allows us to show that grace to those people around us. As his grace overflows our life, it f- overflows, overflows, and now that should go out. Right? Because as I said before, there's no way we could, God can be in debt to us. He gives and gives and gives, and his grace should be overflowing in our lives. Church, down the street, walking distance from this building that we are meeting in right now, There is a home for women that I just described. And in this house, these women, they can find a safe place to sleep. They're provided medical care during their pregnancy. They receive education and counseling and life skill training. They hear about the gospel. What an opportunity for us to share the grace of God with them. People that are literally dying to hear about the grace of God. People that would do anything to have the hope that Jesus provides. What an opportunity we have. 
that we can provide them with the hope that is only found in Jesus. Right? What an opportunity that God has given us that we can share the grace and hope that he has given to us with those in our own community. Well, I've learned that there is a new resident in that house. Due to security and privacy, I don't know her name. But I know God knows her. And I know God loves her. So this year for our end of year giving, we're going to adopt her. For about 6800 bucks, we can pay for her room and counseling and her training and medical for about six months. So God's grace is overflowing in our lives and his hope it's going to lead to thanksgiving in others as they realize that grace of God. Right, as we're going to give to support and to help. She chose life and everybody told her not to. Now we're going to show her God's grace. So $6,800. So if you've been doing the math, if you have your phone or your calculator, you could probably work this out. But for $8,300, we can pay for a church space for a year in the Philippines. And we can pay for six months to support a soon-to-be mother who has nothing. So that's going to be our goal. It's going to be $8,300 for our end-of-year giving goal. But our sacrificial goal is going to be $10,000 for our end of year giving. $10,000. We could help the church in Tupai. We can help this mother. But then we can also contribute to the house mother, the mentor who will live in that house and care for and provide guidance and have those conversations around the table with her about life and about Jesus. And so $10,000 will get that. But then we have our God goal. Our God goal is going to be $13,000 for our year-end giving. And this will do a couple things. It will do all those things that we just talked about. But with that $3,000 additional dollars, we can give $2,000 to an endowment fund that will help continue to support the ministry of that home. So we'll put money into an endowment fund and and just help them to continue to do that ministry. It will also allow us to give an additional $1,000 to the ministry in the Philippines. And so as they open up their facility and as people come, we're going to give them operating uh, resources to help them do their ministry in that island. So that would be $13,000 is our God goal. You know what's even better than that is if we had more money than that and all the deacons had to sit in a meeting and fight about how they were going to spend the excess money for ministry, (laughs) right? I've already told you we're not using it inside this building. And if you've ever been in a church meeting or business meeting there is nothing more fun than saying man how are we going to bless people with the resources that God has given us so I look forward to that meeting deacons I will make that one as long as we need so church just a a reminder though I need to say this but we talk about year-end giving year-end giving does not replace your normal tithing year-end giving is not support right let me let me be honest with you I remember I heard a pastor say this and I thought that is true right if if you aren't regularly giving to the church, that's where you need to start. Those are those, that, that relationship with God, that thing that goes on. You, you don't just need to, to get blessed at the end of the year. You need to be worshiping God throughout the year. You need to be enjoying those blessings and those promises that God talks about. But these offering opportunities, these things that go above that, that God provides his people, these are just additional blessings that God provides his children man who have been faithful in their relationship with him have been faithful in their worship with him and they have this extra opportunity to bless others right that is god blessing his children by allowing us to give more god says oh you're giving well let me bless you some more here's an opportunity you can have 
And here's another opportunity you can have. So church, when we are witnessing God's promises and we are sharing God's grace and it gives us reason to be cheerful believers, but both of these are just footnotes to what really allows us to cheer when we give, right? When we give and we see people being saved, right? We see lives that are transformed. God promises that he will use his people and their resources as instruments of his grace for the salvation of others. In this passage, Paul quoted the Old Testament and both of his quotes, they specifically refer to the provision of God's word for the redemption of his people, Right, to restore his people back into a proper relationship with God, to redeem his people, to see people being saved. And in the video we just saw, we saw they, they opened their very first church service with nine people being baptized. And baptized doesn't save you. Baptism doesn't save you. But it is an expression that, hey, I know who God is, I know what Jesus did, and I'm going to follow him. And we see this happening, and that should make us cheer when we see lives that have been changed, lives that are no longer dead, but new life, and people that are alive and are walking with Christ today. And church, you're a part of that. When we had a member of our family, of our church family, who was battling cancer, the one thing that she wanted to do was to go home and say goodbye to her family. She knew that her chemo and her treatment was going to prevent her from traveling, and, and she just said, man, that was my one hope and prayer. Her small group and this church, through your giving, made it possible for her and her husband to go see her family and say goodbye to her family. A year later, her treatment made it impossible for her to work. And her husband, he cut back his hours of work. He limited his hours so he could stay home and care for his wife as she was fighting this cancer. The church... You guys, Calvary Church, you guys stepped up and because of your giving, we were able to provide for that family during this time. And God multiplied those resources just as he promised and you shared the grace of God with her family. Her husband, Mike, right, he saw God and the church in a way that he had never seen either one before. A few days ago, I was sitting there and I was talking with Mike and he told me this. He said it was during that time and during the, the giving and the support of the church, that God used that to solidify the realness of the church. This is an adult, and through your hearts and through your giving, God used that. And he said, that is the church the Bible talks about. Right, that is the real church. And when Rose went home to be with the Lord, Mike realized that he had been riding her coattails, right? That his relationship with Christ, he was sitting on her coattails. And that night he got down on his knees and he surrendered his life, right? His entire life to Christ. And he told me now that when he comes to church, I love this, this is the church family. He said, when I come to church, it's no longer Rose's church. This is my church, right? This is my church. We are a family. He says, hey, this is my church too, And what better way to be reminded of God's promises and grace than to celebrate with Mike's baptism. And so in just a few minutes, we're going to baptize Mike, right? I'm going to ask for the worship team to to come on up. Right, we're going to conclude this service, but we're going to hear Mike tell his story. 
We're going to hear Mike share his testimony, and then we're going to baptize him. Right? And then we're going to celebrate with him that that is one more life that will be in the choir singing holy, holy, holy for all of eternity. For glorifying God for all of eternity. That is what we celebrate. Right? That is what makes us cheer when we are giving. Not to get. When we are giving to see God do awesome and amazing things. When we are giving for the end state of nothing else but to see God glorified. How could we not cheer when we see that? So today I'm going to ask you guys to just help us lead a worship. Help us celebrate this new life. I'll see you guys in a few minutes.